Underdog Collectibles is an online shop run for collectors by collectors. Join them every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday night as they break new products, talk sports, and hopefully you'll pull a great hit to add to your collection. Visit them at www.udogcollect.com and tell them Waxpack Hero sent you. Remember, always bet on the underdog. You're listening to the Waxpack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. and welcome back to the show. Today we've got something a little bit different for you. We're not going to be talking about sports cards at all, but we are going to be talking about trading cards. I'm going to be bringing on the show Greg McLaughlin, the host of the Rebel Base Card Podcast, and we're going to be talking a little bit about his collecting background and collecting Star Wars cards, both vintage cards as well as modern cards, and he's got some thoughts, tips, and ideas for us. If we're interested in expanding our collecting knowledge to something beyond sports. And so I'm going to be bringing Greg onto the show to have that conversation. Greg and I first got connected last fall sometime, and he invited me on the show to talk a little bit about some of the shipping strategies that I use to to sell and or when I sell cards to get them in the hands of other collectors or when I trade cards to get them in the hands of other collectors and so I've been a guest on his podcast and now I want to bring him on the show to have a conversation about Star Wars cards. So without further ado, here is Greg. Greg, welcome to the show. Mike, thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. I love it. Yeah, I'm glad we we finally get a chance to uh, connect for this podcast. It was an honor being on yours uh, several months ago, talking about shipping and some of that type of thing. And um, I've enjoyed our interactions over the last several months via via Twitter. Um, and so I'm I'm happy to have you on the show to talk a little bit more about um, collecting Star Wars cards. And I, I think some of the non-sport stuff is one of the things that I haven't touched on a lot yet on the show. And so bringing on an expert on all things Star Wars cards, I think, is uh, something that that people will really look forward to. So welcome. Excellent. Excellent. So just to just to reiterate, I'm not talking about the 2020 heritage set that I think now I'm building. Thanks to listening to a wax pack hero. It's starting to burgeon up. So now I, <laughs> I don't know what to do with it now. But thank you. I appreciate it. And whatever I can uh, do to help out, I am more than happy to. Sure. Well, let's let's start by just maybe giving people a little bit about your collecting background. Excellent. Um, so for Star Wars, I was a, a lot of people like to say I was about the right age. I was about seven when Star Wars, the original movie, came out, and a little bit into I would say June, July of of seventy seven is when Topps released the original vintage sets, and uh, I come from a one stoplight town. And there was a local pharmacy that, you know, you could get your magazines, comics, and trading cards. And I remember uh, starting to pick up, I don't I don't remember when it started, but I remember picking up the end of the first of what would be five series. Uh, you know, there was the blue, red, yellow, green, and orange. Um, but I remember I that really started me going down there, and, and, you know, they were 15 cents a pack, so it really wasn't that bad. And for a long time, you know, I had a nice stack of that and... Uh, really nice and fit in a shoebox pretty well. And to be honest, that kicked into 
baseball and and football cards. I think more baseball. So probably you know in between releases of the Star Wars movies, um, I collected a decent amount of of those tops sets. I remember. I want to say I remember the the Fleers and some of the other brands that came out right around that time. I think when I guess the embargo ended, I you know like I said, someone else is a little more uh, into that than I am. But yeah, that kind of became the cornerstone. I think when you're thinking of Star Wars, I always think of the the cards, the comics, and the Kenner. That's two season, okay? But it wasn't you know when uh, the Return of the Jedi ended in '83. Um, you know the Star Wars cards sat there for a very long time. And, you know, it wasn't until 10 years later that Top started releasing the direct market sets, the first Galaxy or the Artist sets. And there's a nice period between that and the Phantom Menace where, you know, Tops was trying different things, wide vision, uh, you know, different kinds of, you know, foil, because at that point everybody was making cards. You couldn't make enough. Um, and then when I came, I was out of the States for a little while to make a long story short. Most of the 90s I lived abroad. And it wasn't until really 2015, if we do it like a lot of folks, when the when the Force Awakens came back, that I started seeing these Journey 2 sets in Target, and they were done in the original vintage flavor of that blue Starfield, and that sucked me back in. And I went from maybe having a binder of Star Wars cards to now it's probably over 20 in the last five years. I, I really I, This is a desperate plea for help, Mike. I don't know where I go from here. But that that would be basically kind of a you know it's like you you keep going and then you start putting them in binders and you start you know following blogs and you start looking at um, cardboard connection you start you know you start building your hobby and it you're almost like becoming a professional collector as it were. So did you? It sounds like obviously because there was a lack of movies and there's that that ten year hiatus that you talked about before they even went back to kind of start celebrating some of the the original films mm -hmm. that kind of forced a little bit of a break did you actively collect some of those first sets before 2015 or was that 2015 re-entry the point where you started to go back and fill in even some of those sets that maybe came out in the 90s that you referenced uh, yes and yes. Now, I had a good run of the original cards, uh, except for the stickers. When you're a kid, stickers are, you know, they go everywhere. And so in the mid-80s, uh, when, when I started seeing a couple of card shops come into play, I was able to fill a good chunk of my vintage sets uh, and actually pick up one of the uh, first times that I actually picked up, uh, I think, Return of the Jedi Series 2, there was a full set. They were You were seeing, like, full sets. And, and thank God, um, even a couple of the boxes, I still actually have a couple of the vintage boxes uh, from those, I think, series three and four or four and five, I can't remember, uh, which, are, which are even worth a lot now, even given the condition of it. Um, and so, you know, I even have some of my, you know, like little post-its where I was trying to mark off the checklists because back then the, those vintage sets, or the first ones didn't have checklists. But it was when um, I started getting back in in 2015 that filling, filling out, say, the Wonder Bread cards or going back and finding that I'd had a couple of these OPG Star Wars cards, but I never knew what they were. They were just bilingual. They were English and French and realizing that, that you know, Canada had had this whole run. And so I started putting together those sets. Um, and it's fun because you're finding out these other countries have different versions of them. Some of them are the same. Some have slight variations and you go back and you're filling them. And so and then you, you 
I've always I've been on eBay for you know over 20 years, and so you find that oh I can fill these in, and then you go well, you know now the collector goes well the sets are more valuable if you have the stickers, so you go back and fill those in. So you know you have several projects. I think like you're ta- you always talk about uh, your you you go after certain vintage sets, but with Star Wars you can you can you have little projects along the way where I've got all right I want to fill out the stickers for these. I want to get the OPG version of these. Um, you know, uh, it, it's fun because, like I said, if you if you're not going crazy with it, and then all the '90s stuff that I never got to collect at all, and then it becomes where you now you have this library of cards where you can go back to. And Abrams Books did these wonderful books on uh, the Star Wars ones. They have five of them, and then there's other ones they do like Planet of the Apes, or I think they did Garage Pale Kids as well. So they become a great reference material for. You know, even the casual fan that wants to go back, like maybe you don't want to collect the cards, but you want to see what they look like, and mm-hmm. it takes you back. And it really, you know, I have the binder, the 77 binder in front of me, and, you know, nothing makes me smile more. I look back at them, and you go, yeah, it's a part of my childhood right there. And now I have the means to fill that hole that may have been there for 40 years, and and that's what makes it fun. Very cool. One of the things that you didn't really hit on that I'm curious about is um, the – the friendship or community aspect of of collecting and i'm just curious from when you were a kid up through when you re-entered in 2015 how has the hobby community played a role in your enjoyment of of getting back into cards mike great question it's a huge role because um growing up there was a couple of us that got into that collected the cards that were in the star wars but largely it was just it was myself um, you know, baseball was a little more, you could, you could partner around with a couple people to do, do a couple of trades. But when I got back in largely, it was just me and, you know, I had been on Instagram and, you know, social media, but, you know, I think for a long time, you know, if you were a collector, it wasn't necessarily something you brought up in, you know, conversation like, Oh, by the way, I collect Star Wars cards and then you hear crickets. So when I got on, when I decided I wanted to, you know, start kind of celebrating the cards and reaching out, you know, I started an Instagram account, you know, the Rebel Base card for that. And I found there wasn't a ton of people doing cards. There was a lot of folks doing, you know, action figures or doing, you know, artwork or doing, you know, cosplay and whatnot. But, um, you know, I found a couple of people right away, uh, Star Wars cards and Star Wars Tops cards. And, you know, it was fun because you start to build this nucleus and then you start branching out and you, you maybe post a card and people go, oh, man, I remember that. And, you know, building the following and, and, and the Instagram channel and the podcast kind of almost go hand in hand because we had celebration, the big Star Wars convention in Chicago last year. And we're, and we're both from Illinois here, or at least I am here now. Um, so once I realized that I was going to go, you know, that kind of pushed it up and you start you start connecting with folks. And, and even in 2020 with Twitter, you know, where a lot of podcasters are and there's a lot more collectors there. Uh, and getting into even to the digital side of it, uh, we've kind of built this nice community of folks that, you know, none of this is our main job. This is just a side passion, but it's fun to share. It's fun to even virtually, especially even in COVID times, you can still do it through the Card Trader app, whether you're doing Bunt or whether you're doing Star Wars. And you're trying to build sets and you're doing that in addition to getting excited about physical product. You know, there was kind of a kind of a release that, that you know, they didn't release a little bit for a while. There was a bit of a break this year because of COVID. Now you're starting to see those wheels go back in motion and we're all getting excited for this Mandalorian set that's coming out in November. And, you know, it's, it's fun now people are talking about pre-orders, but now you're getting these folks 
who are coming back in, you're getting a part of this community, and now you're this resource to tell people, hey, by the way, you can go here or you can go there. Maybe you want to pre-order it. Maybe you want to go on the shelf and got it. I was in line, and and uh, Tops released this Journey of the Child set. It was a box, blaster box, 10 bucks, 36 cards, the whole shebang. And I, and I was telling this lady, a lady had a, a, a the child Baby Yoda shirt on, and I said, you need to go get that. If you like Baby Yoda, go get that because you may not be a collector, but you would love to have that because that's a one thing. And then, hey, maybe if they open it, maybe if they like the cards they see, well, there's somebody else, and you know now you, you're, you're spreading the love. That's all we're trying to do. One of the questions that I get a lot um, when I'm doing interviews on other shows or even from family members and people in the general public is, is why do you collect sports cards or why do you like baseball cards? From the conversations that you've had, from your own personal experience, from these relationships that you've been building, what would your answer be for why do you collect Star Wars cards? That's a great question. Back in the day, right? We're talking in the, in the in the 70s, you know, films didn't make it onto the small screen for a number of years afterwards. So with Star Wars cards, you know, you got these stills from the movie and so that were sort of your it was like a visual memory of that particular scene or a favorite scene in addition to you see some of these great stills. And one of the one of the cool things and I didn't have a ton of them at the time, Series 5 did a lot of behind the scenes cards. And so you see these stills of like they're working on a creature, they're working on uh, Chewbacca's makeup. And then in back of the cards, you know, not only did you have that great puzzle on some of the vintage ones that made a bigger scene, but then you had these movie facts, you had these little character facts. And so, you know, pre-internet, this is our this is our Wikipedia or Wikipedia, if if uh, mm-hmm. if you want to coin a phrase. And so yeah, it just sort of it takes you back to when it was. Oh, not only a time when like I remember when this movie comes out and you can go through and you can see these scenes and some of these even can be non-common scenes like now a lot of times it's great now when it when they release a new set and they go here's images I didn't see that often but even then I'm looking at some of the vintage ones and they're going here's a shot where it didn't make it into the movie but here's a shot of you know Luke and a droid or here's the two C-3PO droids and you're like that it wasn't in the movie or that wasn't in there and so that yeah the, the thing is it's just it was just your visual memory of, of the movies and uh, it just goes hand in hand, but that just, you know, and, and there wasn't a lot of them. 66 cards a set. You're the host of the rebel base card podcast, which I love the name, by the way, Thank you. Um, kind of combining the, the rebel base and base cards. I love it. It's, it, it, it's so good. Thank you. I'm curious about what was the origin of the podcast? At what point did you decide that that might be something that you want to jump into? I have a media background. Uh, a career ago, I used to do, you know, video and audio production, and you know, I also because I have a I have a couple of employers, and and uh, a fruit company is one of them. We sell we sell these the the, the phones. Um, one of the things I'm most passionate about talking about is something that uh, I can't talk about on a podcast. Uh, can't talk about technology. Uh, so number two on the list was cards, and. Once again, when I decided I was going to go to Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, you know, part of me always wants to try to capture video and audio. You know, I want to talk to people. I want to find out their story because I have it. You know, I have a background in doing that. And, you know, I, I used to kind of do it when I had a I had a tech blog and I used to go on interview and stuff. And and with the phones now, it makes it so much easier because the quality of video, quality of audio you can get is astounding. And so once I kind of knew, you know, I, I started prepping and. The main thing was to find out the, the easiest way to do it when you're talking about like things like Anchor and getting on. And and that's when 
you start finding out that, especially even with cards, you find that there is, you know, these sketch cards. And I never knew about those. You know, you got back in, you go, well, autographs are what you want or relics. But what are these sketch cards? And then you find there's artists that are that are producing these for tops and other companies year after year. And those kind of become, I want to find out about their stories and the people who are doing cosplay or people in the community. I want to find out like yourself. I want to find out what motivates you. And it's so much fun to listen. It's so much fun to put it up there. And, you know, there's the tools are out there to make it and make it sound really good uh, or at least better than, you know. And as long as you are engaging with folks and you're listening and you have that honest curiosity my father instilled me with that you just want to find out more, uh, it's become very rewarding. You know, life is always there. You have to find the most efficient ways to do it so that you have this balance as best you can. Um, but when you, when you have something in the books and when you post it and I go that interview with, you know, I can always refer back to our interview going, Hey, look, if you want to find out more about shipping, go back and listen to my episode with Mike Summer, because he's going to give you some great tips. Or I can do an episode purely on collecting. Like, where do you start? Boom, start there. Or if you want to talk about digital cards, start there. If you want to find out, you know, in event, in addition to, you know, events or things like that, um, it just becomes a great, you know, diary journey journal if you will. And, um, you know, it's just fun listening to people. You hit on something there that I, that I want to explore for a minute. I'm a a firm believer that increased knowledge and increased education adds to the overall enjoyment of the hobby and the overall exposure of the hobby to more and more people. So if, if there is somebody who knows there are star Wars cards but doesn't feel like they know a lot about what's out there. But if they knew more, they might want to start collecting more Star Wars cards. What would be some resources, in addition to your podcast, <laughs> that you would suggest that they go out and listen to, read, um, pick up, if it's a physical book, whatever it might be? What are some some resources that collectors can use to educate them about Star Wars cards, the history and both, you know, the, the older stuff as well as the newer stuff. What would uh, what would be some resources you'd recommend? I'd always say start with the cards you collect with and not everybody's going to start with the vintage set. Some people came of age uh, during during the, the prequels, you know, the, the Phantom Menace and whatnot. Some people come of age, you know, in the, in the knots and whatnot. Uh, I always say you should use the, the cards you grew up with as your base. If you say, you know what, I'm really excited. I would like to get some cards. I would like to finish these eBay is probably your first and best resource because you can get a gauge for how much those are going to cost, whether you're looking to fill a couple of holes or an entire set. The one thing that's been absolutely um, critical for me as a collector going forward from that is uh, like to me, I like Cardboard Connection a little better than Beckett because well, Beckett's purpose is for one thing. But Cardboard Connection, their new release uh, calendar gives me a gauge of how many sets and you can get several months ahead. And then each of those sets that you can click on uh, that they're going to say coming out, you know, eight, five is, um, it was at Chrome perspectives and you can find out more and you can also find out whether it's retail or hobby. And it's probably one of the biggest keys is not all cards are released at the same places in the same configurations. You know, target is a great resource and Walmart's a great resource. And, you know, for the first couple years, that was, that was the only way I got them, you know, for two, three years. And, but you build up as you get excited and you're picking up packs, you pick up a lot of dupes and then you start to go, well, now I'm collecting a, a lot of product. I enjoy it, but now I've got all this extra and they're keeping releasing movies. And now this, you know, now what do I do with it? 
And so, you know, finding out like, oh, there are these things called hobby boxes you can buy if you want to go there and where you can get a full base set and a couple of, you know, and a couple of hits or whatnot. What's a hit, you know? So um, I like Cardboard Connection. If you're a vintage fan, those Abram books, I'll go back in time again. There was one for each movie. There's Star Wars, Empire, and uh, Return of the Jedi. And two great books to go on beyond that, one on Star Wars Galaxy, which were the artist art-based cards, and in the Wide Vision that were mid-90s. And those I always use as reference books. Those are great. Um, also, in addition to that, there are a number of Facebook groups that for collectors. Some of them are a little more hardcore, and they're great, and that's, that's the whole thing. You can, you know, if you want to dive in, uh, you can maybe feel a little overwhelmed just because a lot of people are making cases and things like that. And you're going, well, that's a lot of money, you know, to outlay. But there's that whole breaking thing now that's happening that some people can just go after the cards they want or if they just want an autograph or they just want to go in for like with baseball team sets. And so there's these different ways to collect that, you know, like I said, I think it starts back with what you started with. Use that as your core because you'll have the most uh, you'll have the most connection to that. And then. Use eBay, use, you know, um, like Beckett or Cardboard Connection. Uh, listen to the podcast. Why am I not saying that? Um, but also you can find other people on either Instagram or social media and you can start to build those relationships. And I think that will make the the hobby so much more rich for you than than simply, you know, yeah, you could go on your own and collect and, and just be happy about it. You know, baseball is a great way. You collect baseball. I, I don't need to. I don't. I don't need a huge community to enjoy baseball cards. I love crack and packs. But if you want to try to broaden, I think you know, like the resources we have, so much more than we used to. Podcasts and all that. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's great. You, you know, use the variety of resources that are out there. I really like that suggestion of starting with, you know, the sets or starting with the products that are going to mean the most to me, and use that as the foundation for exploring more and learning more about about what else is there you can start small and gradually build and expand i think that's that's a great great suggestion and one of the other things that i wanted to touch on a little bit is maybe about some of the potential differences in sports cards and um, star wars cards or entertainment cards and, and one of those that i've picked up on and correct me if i'm wrong but this is my observation from what i've i've learned over the last several months is something you you also touched on earlier is sketch cards mm-hmm. now there are some baseball and sport products that have sketch cards as one of the super rare types of of um, hits that you can get in a product but it seems with entertainment cards Sketch cards are almost a foundational hit. It's it's you get an autograph or a sketch card. And I think one of the first defaults that I came to is, oh, yes, you know, Star Wars cards, this box has relic cards and autographs as well. But it, it seems that as I learn more that those sketch cards oftentimes are even more valuable than the yes. autograph or relic card that is in a box. Is that accurate? It, it it is yes, and and this is something that came to Star Wars um, after the turn of the millennium, and it literally started with just simple sketches, and they have gone in, in their complexity and and their detail now that literally you can call them art cards, and what you'll find is that you know when you come back into it, an autograph is something you'll you can a, a collector a new collector can can glean on right away like oh man here is so and so. Uh, but since there are so many people in Star Wars, always has been, that, you know, this the, the third person that does a droid, 
you know, may not garnish you as much value as say, like if someone's, if someone pulls a, a dual sig or a Carrie Fisher or something like that. So you got your main people and then you've got other ones. And so the value, you know, just like in baseball, you have different, that different values for different players and, and different roles. But, you know, going back now, it's, it seems it's, it's harder to pull sketch cards. I think at least because they can pull, you know, 60 or 70 or 80 sketch card artists, they'll do maybe 30 cards each. But what is interesting is that who is doing the, the artwork can really have a factor on the value of that. There are some folks out there, uh, you know, Carlos, is it Cabrero? Um, let's say Chris Penix is doing the living set. You know, you, you get uh, who's those, those, when you're getting in that level, those sketches can be a few hundred dollars if you hit. Um, some sketches could be 15, 20, 30 dollars. But I think just the fact that they are a little harder to hit, like most boxes you see being sold, guaranteed auto. Stops is still kind of leading with that. And then might be another hit in there. But that hit could be a medallion card. It could be a, you know, a patch, um, a, a relic, you know, print and stuff. But sketch cards seem to be harder. And so, yes, there is a limited number of them. The artists can vary in, you know, they're all, they tend to be going more towards photorealism. But, you know, a lot of times you go, I've never heard of this artist, but some of these ones you get can be extremely valuable. You know, just go on eBay and look at the sold listings and you can see some of these are amazing. So it's tough, I think, from a business standpoint, because you don't, you know, like you can go if you're cracking a box, I'm getting an auto. No problem. If I, if I don't like it, flip it, whatever. But you don't, you could go through a case and maybe not pull a sketch or pull one or two. And so it makes it very difficult to collect, which means their value is consistent and pretty much stays up. I don't see too many that go down in value, but I do see maybe the older sketch cards when they were more sketch-like are not as valuable as the ones you're pulling today. One of the things that has been transpiring within the sports card world for the last year is rapidly escalating costs of sealed wax boxes. Hmm. And I'm curious if Star Wars has seen the same thing recently or are sealed wax boxes still available generally around the same price that they've always been? I have seen since I started getting more into the hobby boxes late last year and this year where, you know, you're averaging, you know, like some hobby boxes, depending upon the product could be like, you know, like let's say a hundred bucks, you know, 80 to a hundred bucks, depending upon where you're buying it online, you're going to buy it at your local store. And in some cases, some of those ones can get you a full base set, you know, a hit or two, and you're kind of good. Um, there are sometimes where tops will break these up into smaller boxes for, let's say 50, 60, you know, 70 bucks. Uh, but it'll take you a while to, to, to build a set. I, I think because of the numbers of cards, you know, I think star Wars lends itself a little more to base set collecting only because you're not seeing like say five or 600 cards in a set or like a 200 like card set safe, like for a Marvel. So you can still really chase base sets. Um, but I, I do think that they, you know, every time I think that they're going to creep up, you know, I think we're, we're seeing uh, the Mandalorian one, which is more of these small boxes. And there are going to be like, what, 60 or so, 60-ish pre-orders. Uh, Women of Star Wars that came out earlier this year was a $50 uh, hobby box. But it was, you know, it was a partial. You were only going to get like seven or eight packs. And so I'm still seeing a variation of smaller hobby boxes, large ones. And then you get into like, say, you know, masterwork or stellar signature where these are a couple hundred dollars or I think stellar signature. I want to say it's like a thousand bucks or something. There's some that, you know, cause tops will range the amount of product. Some will just be for retail. Some will be for high end collectors. 
Um, but I haven't necessarily seen anything that says it's going up, but I think time will tell because of COVID um, whether they'll go up. But, you know, yeah, this is not like it was five, six years ago. I think it's probably inched up a little bit, but, I, you know, it's still something where I'm still factoring in, okay, if I got a hundred bucks, that's probably, you know, if, if I'm going to get pull, a, if I'm going to get a hundred dollar hobby box, I'm going to probably get a whole set out of it. Base set. Nah, that saved me from how much I blew in 2015 on blaster boxes uh, for the Journey 2 and, and the you know, the Force Awakens Series 1 and 2. I, I pumped a lot of money into those first two years retail. If I just would have bought a hobby box, I go, well, I could move on now to the next thing. So increasing a little bit, maybe, but still, to me, consistent that I've seen over the, la over the last year or so. One of the other things that you see a lot in sports cards are people collect in a variety of different ways. There's some people who are set collectors and like to build full complete sets. There are some people who are team collectors and only want to get those Cubs cards. And there are player collectors who focus purely on a handful of, of players to, to round out their collection. Are there similar approaches in Star Wars? Do you, do you have people who only collect Chewbacca or Han Solo or Luke or and or do you have people who I only collect characters who are in the Empire or who are in the First Order or whatever it might be? Or do you see more of that overall set full set building? I I see a lot of uh, I see more in, in the groups where I see folks who will they're going to buy boxes and cases for the autos. Sometimes they'll want to sell them. Sometimes they'll keep them. So some people really like collecting just the autos and the base cards become more of the disposable ones. Or, you know, if you're, if you're breaking a case in those case, each of those boxes have a base set where you can flip that base set pretty easy. Uh, I am more of a base set collector. Uh, I, that's to me, that's how it started. It's how I kind of go. I enjoy the hits and I, I like the fact that they come little by little. Um, there's a couple of autographs I've bought. So for example, masterwork, which is a large set to put together, you couldn't do it without buying several boxes, $200 each or something like that. So I, I said, well, maybe I just want to collect the Rebels signatures or a certain you know, property of those signatures. It makes like a little mini set. Or there was a character in The Last Jedi, um, Captain Peavy, um, Adrian Edmondson, who was in The Young Ones back in MTV back in the days. Well, he had a character, and so I've been trying to collect his... Um, autographs he has a relic card he has a patch card uh and just to make a little nice little mini set but um i think just because star wars cards still the the, the base sets are fairly low number you can still you still see people going for base sets and trying to trade them i think the autograph traders are another group um and you know some people i i interviewed one guy earlier this year who just collects his friends sketch cards uh kelly baber is a sketch artist his friend mac has a huge collection and, and goes after only his autographs or his sketch cards. He could care about less about anything else, but for him, that's an attachment to his friend. Um, so you have these different ones, but I think the autographs are very you know, common. I think character wise, just on a tangent in the star Wars card trader app, there's people who hoard cards of a particular character. They'll find an obscure character and they'll try to get as many cards as they can of that character. Uh, I've done it because when I'm trading with people, since I've been on Card Trader longer, I have a bigger collection. And so if someone's coming in new, it's harder for them to find a need I have. So I said, you know what? I'm hoarding Captain Pyre from Resistance. You know, I, you know, if you need this insert, give me the Pyres you have, these common base cards. And so now I have, you know, 
eight, nine hundred cards of just, you know, is it Commander Pyre? Commander Pyre. Um, and so it makes it fun because it's a different way for me to collect. But I can I can still reach out to the community. But um, with this, I still think people still chase value in the autographs. You know, base is always it's like the NBA regular season, right? Who cares about the regular season? I want to see the playoffs. But there's always that value, just like in in baseball or sports cards. Uh, it's the base cards that's the foundation uh, of our whole our whole deal. Yours and mine is is card number three twenty five of whoever it is that particular year. That's that that starts it all for me. Do you have any other tips that you would suggest for somebody who's wanting to get into Star Wars cards or learn a little bit more? The the biggest thing I can say is that there are several releases just like with sports cards throughout the year. Uh, and it's been it's been pretty consistent since the Disney since Disney bought uh, Star Wars and, ha, you know, Tops has still been a licensee. Um, you can try to collect them all. And, you know, for a time you kind of go after. But um, I go back to Cardboard Connection. I look at I look at the releases nice enough. I have a you know, I can even ask for a sales sheet from Tops from time to time. But I try to find those sets that I'm interested in, you know, throughout the year. Some of them, some of the higher end ones I may stay away from. The retail ones I always say are a great um, lightning rod because you can always you can always pick them up different in different ways. You can go through if you're making a target run or, you know, and I think that's a, a good way to kind of get in. And, you know, 20 bucks in for a blaster box is a nice in and you can enjoy it. And those kind of you can decide whether or not you want to go from there. Um, I think that you have to decide what you want to collect and why, why am I doing this? If I like star Wars and I like, I like the different cards, there may be sets that I don't really have that much of interested in. I don't care too much about the Chrome stuff, but I like the, the Mandalorian Mandalorian was a great show. Everybody, you know, you probably have kids that go, you know, baby Yoda, but that's a touchstone that people can maybe new people coming into the hobby and goes, well, I'm not huge into cards, but I really like the Mandalorian. Oh, that's cool. Um, I just, uh, we had, uh, we had a, an event here in Chicago where Dominic Pace, who was an extra in the Mandalorian, uh, came out and he, he, he was promoting like small businesses and charities. And I took tops now did a card that his character was in and I had him sign it. And I said, for me, this is the world because this to me is a connection to this card. And, you know, I, I definitely want to see more of him in that, but I also want to see that one because the Mandalorian meant a lot to me. I'm really going to dig those cards. I know a lot of the people I deal with uh, in the community are going to want those cards, and it's going to make a nice event. Whereas some of these other sets, you know, some of the harder, I, 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 I'm friends with folks who are really into these particular sets, and they want just that, or they might just collect Luke from that, or they're looking for particular sketch cards or artist proofs, and that's cool. And you know, but you, you know, it's like you can, I can wave either way. I can, I can collect either way, but you really just have to go back to collect what you like. Don't worry about trying to get them all. And then, you know, once you start getting them, how am I going to store them? How am I going to protect them? And I think, you know, some people will use boxes. I like binders because I can pull it off of a shelf and I can enjoy that without hurting the card much. Um, but it's almost like a book. I can go back through and relive that. Or if I want to reference something, you know, I think the other biggest thing is I use scotch. Uh, I don't use scotch tape. I use like a masking or like a painter's tape on my binders because I'm constantly reshuffling them around and it's easier just to go, all right, Sharpie and that. That's what this is now. But next week I might 
rearrange the collection and but it just makes it easier for me to go back rather than them being in a box i have plenty in boxes uh but it's just so much easier you know i, I think a lot of people's collections stay good because they don't pull them out of the box shoebox they got them from and by the way if you want to start your kids out collecting last tip sorry um, back in the day i used to take a shoebox you cut you cut it in half you use the lid and you kind of glue the box up you can almost make this little pull-out shelf, and that's what I did, and use a little string. And I did that for years with some of my sports cards because it was an easy way, like, to protect them. You go out, and you pull them in, and you put them back in. So shoebox, everybody everybody has shoeboxes, right? There you go. You don't have to even uh, spend a penny on it. Well, thank you for coming on to the show. I think that was a, some great information for people to um, pick up on, listen in on, and learn a little bit more about the world of collecting Star Wars cards. So I appreciate it, Greg. Thanks for coming on. Oh, no problem. Um, and just to let you, your listeners know uh, on the podcast, uh, it's not always me talking. I can go. I, I can fill. Uh, but I usually have guests on so that they don't have to listen to me talk. And, and where can people find you and find the show? Alrighty. Um, the show, if you in most of your major podcast catchers like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you can look for the Rebel Base Card podcast. I am on Instagram at Rebel Base Card as well as Twitter, uh, Facebook. I also have a small um, following there as well. Um, but that's and then you can always email the show, Greg at RebelBaseCard.com. Uh, send questions, send comments. Uh, I'll, I'll take it one and all. It's been uh, it's been a fun ride. All right. Thank you very much.